interesting idea. We might think about it in post. We'll, we'll look into it. But right now, we're going to start the aptly named Too Many Points uh, show on the Tell Me More podcast. I'm your host, Mac Moore. We have a few of the usual suspects. We got the the uh, 810 guys. We got Marco Marquez and Justin Pemberton. And then a, a newbie to the Too Many Points pod, but somebody that uh, had a fun time recording, uh, you know, covering KU football and everything else with uh, Nick Springer down there, who I was going to have the whole bit ready to explain where you're at, but you're at UT San Antonio. Is that where you're at right now? I am at uh, University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio, UIW. I got um, 90% of it. You did. I'm in, I'm in Texas and I'm in San Antonio, so pretty close. Uh, but yeah, I'm down here uh, working for them, doing uh, plans and different stuff, and uh, it's been a fun time. It's been good. Awesome, awesome. But obviously, you're rocking the Chiefs gear. I got the Chiefs uh, on. We got uh, just 100% right now. Uh, so they, if anybody's looking for unbiased coverage of the Chiefs, <laughs> that ain't happening. And uh, we might end up getting to a little bit of hoops talk. Uh, mo- mostly, I'm just so focused on, you know, work and then trying to cover football uh, NFL as much as I can. Uh, I've barely been able to pretty much throw in the KU game. Or if I miss it, I rewatch it. But otherwise, have not been able to pay enough attention to college basketball for us to do uh, the, the same type of coverage we've been doing with the NFL. So if anything, we might just talk as uh, I, I know we got three of four uh, KU fans here. And we got Justin down there who doesn't watch college basketball because he hey. likes to uh, But we, we we might talk a little bit about where KU's at because this, this might be unprecedented. I, I think we generally have had years where fans kind of uh, decide KU isn't good early in the year when there's a couple losses. Uh, this one truly seems like, particularly where every game is getting canceled, uh, you no longer have that long stretch. Well, KU will figure it out. Uh, they're already uh, at a position where that Big 12 uh, run is, uh, you know, it, you just you just can't do it. You, it's going to be very hard for them to win. So we might throw in a little bit there at the end, but we're going to focus on NFL because that's what we love. That's, that's, that's why we're here. We're going to talk. Uh, uh, I'd be super excited if the Chiefs weren't in the conference championship game, but they are. And we get to break down the action. They're going to go up against the bills, which is another team with Josh Allen. Been very fun to watch this year. Uh, on the other side, you have Tom Brady ready to prove that bill Belichick ain't shit. And you got the <laughs> Packers, Aaron Rodgers, that final run. He's trying to cement his legacy. Uh, there was an argument made last week by my friend, Nick Adams who came on the pod that Aaron Rodgers probably has the most on the line. So there's a lot of stuff for us to talk about. And we're just gonna we're gonna kick off the Chiefs, right? We're gonna we're gonna jump in that because the the big news, the big thing, the only thing that really matters right now is is Patrick Mahomes going to play? All signs are pointing to yes, he's in the concussion protocol, but uh, he he seemed mostly fine on game day, and this seems to be largely precautionary. They have him going through walkthroughs, so that seems to be on point. So we are going to just I, I thought maybe we'd do like the what happens if Chad Henney plays, but I don't even want to think about it. Patrick Mahomes has <laughs> played in this game on Sunday, we're going to start from there and just going off the first, you know, I think both of these games, these were week six games. So we saw this game already this year in the same week, uh, interesting outcomes. So I'll just start with the same question for each one with chiefs bills, the way the chiefs won in that first one, where the, the bills took chiefs out of their game plan, but the chiefs got it done on the ground, scored late and made sure that they stayed in the lead. Does that game have any impact? Do you think those teams that we saw in week six, does that matter to how we look at this matchup right now, conference championship game, Chiefs and Bills? We'll start with Marco. Uh, Not at all, because then you would have to say, 
do we look at the Packers and Buccaneers game the same way that we saw the same thing that we saw in week eight? Because I think that's something that's what's so cool about these conference championship games is that we get to see these two teams go at it again. And I think the possibility of seeing something different is more than likely uh, in this one. This isn't the same Bills team that the Chiefs are going up against uh, on Sunday. It's a completely different uh, type of Bills team, one built with one with more confidence, one that's on a hot streak, kind of like how we saw with the Ravens kind of finish out um, their season. But, you know, those two teams got to battle it out and the Bills came away victorious on that one. So, no, I don't I don't I don't think anything because like I, I kind of said before, you have your first half of the NFL season, you have the second half, which is different. And then you play and in the playoffs. So I'm expecting to see a different type of football game from both sides. I'm curious to see. How much do Chiefs go back to the run game? Do they go back to it the same way uh, laying the ball that they did back in week six? Um, interested to see, especially with um, Elaire coming, supposedly coming back uh, off that injury, how much he's going to be used in this one also. All right. So one of the big things with the Chiefs is not being able to cover the spread. And we know the old mm-hmm. adage, uh, great teams cover the spread, although most of those teams don't have Patrick Mahomes. So, why are we even talking about it? It's just apples and oranges. Uh, the, the Chiefs get the job done, and obviously we know what Mahomes was able to do last postseason. This is a different year, different team, uh, but with the, the, the Chiefs finding a way to win each time, and in that Browns game, up 16 before he goes out. We can't assume he would have just finished them out, piled on, because they just haven't done that this year, but we also assume that it won't take a miracle from Chad Henney to get you through. When you have a 16-point lead there, Patrick Mahomes would have been able to navigate that thing and maybe not win by the 10, but not have it as close as it was. Justin, when you're looking at this Buffalo team that has played lights out to end the year, did great. Then you get into the postseason. I keep hearing people talk about it like they're still playing lights out, which isn't what it is. They played great and they got two wins and you you can't take anything away from them. But it wasn't like Josh Allen just murdered the Ravens like, he had that one drive in the in the second half that to, to start the second half gets the score. Lamar Jackson tries to do the same back to the Bills, throws an interception. That's ball game. Other than that, Josh Allen he was making great throws, doing great things, but it wasn't this runaway train that the Buffalo Bills were to in the regular season. When you're looking at that kind of hot versus people talking about the Chiefs, like, well, I think the Bills might be the better overall team. Do you buy into that at all? That that's where we are right now, heading into this game. Uh, no, I don't, because I'll also go back to the uh, wild card game against the Colts. They were up by, I think, what, two touchdowns, and somehow the Colts get right back in it. And that was a little bit of a concern. And, uh, you know, go back to also the game against Baltimore. Uh, they could not run the ball. I think that's also a factor. They, they can't just throw the ball all the time. I know Josh Allen's great. And Stephon Diggs is having an MVP season as far as a wide receiver goes. He set the, what, single-season Bills record for receiving yards in a season. So he's doing very well. But they have to run the ball in order to, you know, sustain or build a big lead and and not just rely on one factor of their offense. Because when you're one-dimensional, teams start to figure figure you out. And the the Chiefs, obviously – at times have had problems running the ball this year, but uh, they did a pretty good job last game. We saw uh, Daryl Williams step up. So, um, 
No, I, I think uh, Buffalo right now is not the team to beat. They're not the same team that has been 10 and one since that loss to the Arizona Cardinals on the uh, Hale Murray. Um, and if it wasn't for that, they would be undefeated and they would have uh, two losses on the year. But uh, no, right now, the Chiefs are the team to beat. Buffalo is the team that's looking up at Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I like your point about the one-dimensional because I think with the Chiefs, that's kind of the big thing. The defense isn't great, but if you come in and you have one way to play and you're going to stick with that, that's when the Chiefs, particularly now with uh, Spagnola as the defensive coordinator, they've done a great job being able to figure you out. And they sometimes give you what you want and still make sure that they cut off the other part and, and use that to at least know they're dominating one part of the defensive side. Uh, or they at least slow you down enough at the thing you want to do. And they know that as long as Patrick Mahomes is going on the other side, you being 60% you know, great at the thing you do isn't going to win you the ball game. So that's always been an advantage for the Chiefs. And then at one point this year, Bills, between Josh Allen running and having those two backs, they did have that run game to complement Josh Allen. On the other hand, they have won a lot of games where it is just Josh Allen throwing. The question is whether they can do that against a team that, like the Chiefs, they love to have one-dimensional teams, and they have Patrick Mahomes on the other side to say, hey, I'm going to outgun you. So uh, next one is one I, I just want to start a fight. I want to get Nick Springer going because uh, Marco made this point this last week, and I had to do it. So I just want somebody else to come in and have to take down Marco's point. So Marco brought in the exact thing that Nick wrote on this rundown here, mm-hmm. and that the way to stop the Chiefs, running the ball, time of possession, that's that it's a the formula to try to, to 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 knock off the Chiefs. And I asked him point blank, I was like, where on the resume is that? And I actually did the work for Marco, so I will help his point a little bit before Nick tears it down. Uh, one game, the Colts last year, when Patrick Mahomes is hobbled before he ends up getting hurt, that is the only game where a team came in with the idea of run the ball, hold it, run out the clock, and it got them to victory. Every other time, even the teams that were successful doing that for a portion of the game, four quarters in, by the time it's done, Patrick Mahomes is going to come back and he's going to beat you. And Nick has the point here. I'll let him make it. But the, the way to do it, you've got to score because Patrick's yeah. going to. You better do it as well. Nick, uh, tell me why Marco is completely wrong and should have never brought up that point on our previous podcast. Yeah, I'd like to deflate the national narrative that, oh, you got to run the ball, run the clock, oh, I with the Chiefs. No, totally wrong, okay? And here's why. As, as Max said, Chiefs are always going to score. And there was actually a tweet that I saw yesterday from a guy. Uh, in every game that Mahomes has lost under the Chiefs center, the opponent scored has scored over 30 points in almost every game except for one. In one game, they scored 19. Every other game, they scored over 30. A.K.A. you have to score to beat the Chiefs. And there is a proven track record of teams that have tried this strategy of running the ball and, to, and using possession to beat the Chiefs, and they have lost every time. The Ravens, one of the best rushing teams of the past three seasons, have never beaten the Chiefs. The Titans last season had Derrick Henry in the AFC title game. They couldn't beat the Chiefs. The Browns, they had Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb last week. They couldn't beat the Chiefs. And here's why. It's because when you're playing the Chiefs, even if you want to play, run the ball in possession, at some point, your quarterback is going to have to take a drive in a clutch moment in the late in the game and win the game. Lamar Jackson couldn't do it. Ryan Tannehill couldn't do it. Baker Mayfield couldn't do it. He had five minutes and two timeouts, and he couldn't even get a one first down against the Chiefs. Okay? So at some point, your quarterback has to drive down the field and score late in the game. 
whether you're going to score a bunch of points or it, it has to happen. Okay. And so the question I think coming out of this Bills game is going to be, do we trust Josh Allen to potentially do that late in the game? He might even have to do it twice, you know, because look at, look at the teams that have being the chiefs, especially in the playoffs, the Patriots, Tom Brady, of course, the goat driving down late in the game. He's going to do it right. Even yeah. Jimmy G couldn't do it. It's 49ers going to do it in the Super Bowl either. Okay. So there's a proven track record of teams that are trying to run the ball against the Chiefs, and it does not work. Why? Because Mahomes is going to score every time he gets the ball. So all you're doing when you run the ball and play possession, you're just wasting your own time that you should be going and scoring, right? Think about the games that the Chiefs have lost. The biggest one, I think, most notably being the Rams game two years ago, that incredible shootout, right? Yeah. How did the, how did the Raiders beat the Chiefs? They came out and they just kept scoring, and they were able to win the game, right? So that's how you're going to beat the Chiefs. So the question becomes, assuming Mahomes plays against the Bills, which I think we're all in agreement that he's going to, the question becomes, there's two questions. Number one, what's the Bills' strategy going to be? They're without Zach Moss, who I believe is still going to be out for this game. So their run game for the Bills is not going to be as strong as it might be otherwise. But they're still going to have Josh Allen. So the question becomes, are the Bills going to try to play possession? Are they going to try to run the ball? Or are they going to open it up and just try to score against the Chiefs? And then the second question becomes, as I already mentioned, can't do. does anybody trust Josh Allen to drive down the field late in the game Three minutes left in the game in a tight in a one score game. Do we do we trust Josh Allen to go down and score against the Chiefs? And like I said, he may he may have to do it twice. He may have to do it three times because we know that Mahomes is probably going to answer every time he does. So those are the two big questions coming into this game. And I think for the Bills, uh, Justin made an excellent point. The the Bills have not been playing as great as people think they've been playing over the certainly over the course of the playoffs. I mean, right. I saw nothing out of the Bills against the Ravens that even remotely impressed me. You know, they had a pick six. They scored seventeen points. You weren't impressed by the first drive out of halftime? <laughs> oh, okay. One drive. Yeah, sure. One drive. You think one drive is going to beat the Chiefs? No, absolutely not. Okay. No. Well, I mean, there's one not. drive against a Ravens defense, and then there's what that offense can do against a Chiefs defense. We can't I, sit here and pretend like that. Hey, I would like to dispute what you're saying, brother. The Chiefs defense is way better than people give it credit for. And historically, over the past couple of seasons, every time they have needed to step up, they have. And even, the, even if they have broken a lot, you know, earlier in games and whatnot, Literally every time they have needed to step up, they have. Uh, in critical situations in the playoffs, they've made stops when they needed to. The Browns just last week was a prime example. Uh, if you go back to even when they lost the AFC title game against the Patriots, they, they made the stop, obviously, with the interception besides D4 being offside. The Chiefs defense, in the playoffs especially, has always came up big when they've needed to. So I think to say that their defense is, is bad is totally wrong. I, th- I think that they are able to come up big when they need to, and that's really should be the storyline for the Chiefs defense, but nobody seems to be mentioning that at all. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think the two big questions are going to be, what's the Bills' strategy, and can jo- and do we believe, do we trust Josh Allen to drive down the field in a, in a clutch moment against the Chiefs defense? And I'm going to say, right. for, my, for my prediction on that, I'm going to say the Bills, they air it out. They're just going to do what they do. I think the run game is still going to be non-existent. If they decide to do that, you know, the Chiefs defense obviously is going to need to come up with a couple stops. Yeah. Uh, but and, and assuming Mahomes plays, I think we're all I think all all four of us are in agreement that the Chiefs are going to be able to run with the Bills for the most part. Um, so it's just going to come. It's again, it's just going to come down to late in the game, fourth quarter, who's going to break under pressure. We know we know Mahomes probably won't because he's been there, done that, and he's done it, you know, many times. So the question is, Josh Allen, can he show up? Can he perform? And especially late in the game. Can he take his team and lead a drive? Because he's going to need to do it at least once, probably more than once, in the fourth quarter. Yep. All right. So I want to come back to that point about the question of Josh Allen. Will he uh, be able to to make that big play down the stretch to get you back in the game? But I do want to give Marco one chance 
if he doesn't feel like he's already just been knocked out uh, in this debate. Marco, do you want to argue once again that the way to beat the Chiefs is running the ball and playing keep away? Well, nah. But what I was trying to say is, <laughs> you guys are stating the obvious. Of course, the, of course, the way to beat the Chiefs is to score more points with them. That's how you beat a team. You have to score more points than you have. To Don't do this whole obvious thing. But we're saying you want to make the most of your scoring drives. You got to be, you want to be able to choose some time off the clock and keep a consistent run game and make sure that you're converting your third downs. That's what it all comes to having a good scoring drive. Yeah, I agree with you. Of course, you want to score on your drives. Of course, you got to score on your drives against the Chiefs. That's how you beat a football team. I 100% agree with you. The issue is, though. Every team that has come into a game against the Chiefs with that strategy, they haven't won. Wow. There what you go. Literally no, well, nobody has beaten them. I, but, well, duh, because they're the Chiefs. I'm trying to sound as unbiased as I can, but, yeah, that's just what happens. It's the Chiefs. I mean, think about it, man. The Ravens have had literally the best rushing offense in the league almost every season. They played the Chiefs what, three times, lost all three times. The Browns came in with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb was completely shut down in the first half, by the way. And, and, and that's because the Browns yeah, only used Kareem Hunt six half, times. That's the thing. Yeah. And then Derrick Henry only didn't even have 70 yards rushing against the Chiefs. The Chiefs' defense is not that bad, and when teams come in and try to use that strategy against them, it's not going to work because the Chiefs are going to—they're going to be able. To, they've proven time and time again that they right. can stop the run enough to slow down an offense and force a quarterback to beat them. And yeah. by the way, do I need to go through the list again? Lamar Jackson, no. Ryan Tannehill, no. Baker Mayfield, no. Josh Allen, in fairness, Ryan Tannehill beat the Chiefs like, and he did it on a scoring drive at the end of the game. The the point. Well, that's the thing. Like, if we're just going to say the playoffs, then okay. But that's that's like the same Tom Brady arguments where, like, everybody who went up against Tom Brady sucks. It's not true. Tom Brady is really damn good, and he had really good Patriots teams. But in terms of how you beat them, the difference was, all right, what the Titans try to do in that game? They ran constantly with Derrick Henry. And even though he's the best back in the league, it didn't matter. How'd they win the first game? Ryan Tannehill threw down the field, and they put up a lot of points which is where I'm going to dispute Marco's thing where he's trying to call us out for saying the obvious and then just said the obvious. Our point was don't talk about running the ball and time of possession is the key. The key and it's not scoring more points than the Chiefs. It's scoring 40. Like we're not just obviously to win a game of football, you need to have the scoreboard say you scored more points when the clock hits zero. But to beat the Chiefs, if your game plan is like we have a strategy to get out of here with a 24-21 victory. Well, guess what? You might be up 24-3, and the Chiefs are still going to beat you at 35-24. to That's what happens. So if your goal isn't to put up 35-plus, you've already lost the game. Like, And it doesn't matter if the Chiefs have a bad game and the score ends up dropping a little bit. You still have to play like that's your goal because at any given time, Patrick Mahomes can pull that off. So if you're not trying by the end of the game to get to that point, you've already put yourself at a disadvantage. You're like Mike Tomlin punting the ball. You're like Mike Vrabel punting the ball. If you're running it each time, like, well, I hope it's enough. I hope they don't get enough possessions. They will, and the Chiefs will beat you. And listen, yeah, I, think- I, don't, I don't understand. Um, we, we, we've mentioned the Browns a few times. What was the point of them not using Kareem Hunt enough? Like, they only used him six times. I think he went to sleep. Then they got him in. He scored a touchdown. <laughs> went to sleep again, and then it wasn't back to the rest of the way. So uh, interesting I mean, choice by Kareem Hunt after calling out the Chiefs. You can't be napping half the game. Come on, man. 
I think I think over the course of the season, the Browns had kind of established this using Cream Hunt as more of like a third down type guy. Goal line. I I agree. They did not get him the ball enough because I think he was clearly more fired up than Nick Chubb was. Nick Chubb, like I said, was completely shut down in the first half. He did have some he did have some better plays in the second half, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what their strategy was. Hey. And I think that, I think another point that uh, Max brought up earlier, he referenced how the Chiefs never covered the spread. I think that actually plays to the Chiefs' advantage because think about this. Virtually every game the Chiefs have played this season has been a tight game. It's been a game where it's been one or two possessions late. So the Chiefs, it's not – they're totally accustomed to playing in tight football games. That's what they've been doing all season. And they've yep. been winning, by the way, they've been winning literally all of them, right? So I think in terms of the pressure of a tight game, that's not going to be on the Chiefs. They know that they're going to be able to win. They have all the confidence in the world. I think the pressure is going to be on Buffalo. It's going to be on Josh Allen to show up to play well and to apply and then to by virtue of playing well apply that pressure back to the Chiefs that's going to be the issue but I think the pressure is all in Buffalo in this game because the Chiefs have shown time and time again throughout the season that they can handle tight football games they can handle and win tight football games and even they did it without Mahomes in the second half against the Browns so the, the pressure to me is on the Bills to show up to score early and to prove that they're there to, to play a competitive game because if the Bills come out and they struggle in early in the game. I think it's going to only snowball from there for them. So I, I think it's critically important they get off to a strong start to, to apply that pressure back on the Chiefs. Because to me, the Chiefs, based on what I've seen, and, and you know Chris Jones talking about how he thinks that they're disrespected and stuff like that, I think they're all, they have all the confidence in the world. I think they don't care. They expect to win every game they're playing, as they should. They've literally won every game they played except for the Raiders. So, I mean, I think the pressure's on Buffalo early in the game especially. Yeah, and you brought it up again. Really good at radio. You're much better than uh, I am, Nick. So you got us back to that segue. You got us back to the thing I wanted to talk about next, which was Josh Allen. Can he deliver? Now, you mentioned it earlier. You did the playoffs thing, which, fine. Josh Allen has not been in meaningful playoff games. The ones he's been in so far, uh, while he got the job done, uh, they were against teams that clearly had flaws. Bills took advantage of them. They got the victory. But when we're talking about can he go down and score, we watched him do it multiple times. We watched him do it in a Cardinals game that it ended up not counting because Kyler Murray went back and did the same thing back to him. Uh, Josh Allen has shown that uh, in terms of the confidence, I don't think that's what I'm worried about. I don't, I don't think it's about Josh Allen getting in there, throwing the ball, and, and, and you know just tightening up in those tough moments. I think the thing with Josh Allen is before the last six weeks of the year, we watched Josh Allen where – one moment, he can play like Patrick Mahomes. The next minute, he looks like Kirk Cousins. And when that happens, if that if that shows up even once, the way the Chiefs play, they're setting you up for it. They're waiting for that moment. We've seen guys like, not a great defense, but, uh, you know, uh, Tyron Matthew is a ball hawk. Uh, Dan Sorensen, even when he gets yelled at for helmet to helmet, he finds a way to get the ball back for the Chiefs. They have guys that otherwise are not going to always make the big play to stop you, but they're going to make the big play to take that ball back. And if Josh Allen makes one miscue, and we know he's done it, it's not like that's out of his game. As much as he's improved this year, those boneheaded plays were very apparent at least the first 10 weeks of the season. He, he curbed it a bit, but now you are in that pressure situation, and I don't think it's going to be from Josh Allen scared to make the big play. I think it's when he tries to make the big play, there's going to be moments where he makes the wrong decision, Chiefs are in the right position and they take the ball in a couple extra possessions, losing it that way. That that was the difference in the Browns game. Obviously it took Patrick Mahomes getting knocked out of the game, but still that one possession changed it all. And I think if Josh Allen makes a play like that, when Patrick Mahomes is like, well, now it's my ball. Now I'll show you how it's done. 
that's going to be the, the the way that really hurts the Buffalo Bills in this game. Yeah, uh, just think about this for a second. The other thing about the Chiefs that I think makes them really special, especially with Mahomes, is they do not, especially on offense, they do not turn the ball over. They do not make mistakes. And even in the game that they did make a bunch of mistakes, Mahomes against the Dolphins, I think he had three picks in that game. They still won, by the way. But anyways, historically, Mahomes does not make mistakes. He doesn't He doesn't turn the ball over. So if you make mistakes, if you're the Bills, that's going to be very, very devastating for you. Because also, think about it this way. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. If the score is 10 to 3, they're driving down the field. They're 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 in the red zone. They're about to tie the game. And and Jackson throws yeah. that pick six for 100 yards, right? Mahomes is not going to do that. The game, if you're playing the Chiefs, like just think about that scenario in a second. You're playing the Chiefs and, and the Bills are up seven. The Chiefs have the ball in the red zone. The Chiefs are going to score, right? So the game is going to be essentially tied. Yeah. The ball going back to basically, okay. Uh, anyways, the point is, is that if you're playing the Chiefs, more than likely the game is going to be tied with the ball going back to Josh Allen. So even in even in that Ravens game, Josh Allen, in a situation where he was almost about to have the pressure being applied to him, it was obviously relieved by the fact that Lamar Jackson threw an interception for a pick six that basically put the game away, right? But against the Chiefs, that's probably not going to happen because Mahomes does not make those types of mistakes. So the pressure is going to be on Josh Allen. He's he's going to have to face it. There's not going to be any way for him to get out of it by the Bills trying to exploit the Chiefs in other ways. I think the pressure is going to be on him, certainly, no matter what. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the, the the thing for me is we, we can't just assume that the Patrick Mahomes we saw last year will show up in this game. Because at this point, as much as the Chiefs have done what they needed to do to win games, the big thing that they needed last year was Patrick Mahomes to go Super Saiyan and just rip through opponents. Like they were down 10 and they won by 10. And that is one, you just even as good as Patrick Mahomes is, that's an anomaly. That's an anomaly for Patrick Mahomes to pull off, you know? So this year, I wouldn't expect him to do it again. And I also, they're not playing at that same level. So, like I said, with the 16 points with the Browns, they did it like barely like the way they're supposed to play like it wasn't like the chiefs were killing the browns they got in situations they got themselves up 16 and i assume they would have finished it off but we still haven't seen the chiefs get back to that just lethal level and yeah i can just pencil it in and say patrick mahomes will do it but that's that's pretending like this buffalo bills team is a bad defense uh they're eighth in weighted dvoa this year which the, the weighted helps focus on how good are they playing now versus how good they were playing earlier in the year. When they faced the Chiefs the first time, they were missing multiple key players on the defense that they have back now and that now the de- that Bills defense is actually getting pressure on a quarterback. They're getting the job done and where they were horrendous at running the ball, and that's where the Chiefs were like, hey, you're going to give us the run? Fine, we'll take it, and they did work. That's no longer the Buffalo Bills defense. So – Right now, I can't just assume Patrick Mahomes is going to walk in and magically kill them. I just do know that I trust Patrick Mahomes that if the game is close, he will be the one to get the job done, and then it will come to, down to Josh Allen. Can he do the same? I'd like to say one more thing, and that is that the Chiefs left so many points on the board against the Browns. We had a missed field goal by Harrison Butker, and then Andy, ugh, I mean, he made up for it later in the game, but Fourth and one. I know I know Chad Henney was already in the game at that point, but he's got fourth and one at like the Browns 20-yard line, and he decided to keep a field goal. Bro, just go for it, my man. You could have ended the game right there. Yeah, it would have been go if you, you go down and score, it would have been 23 to 3 or whatever, or 25 to 3, whatever. The game's already over at that point. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but he decided to kick the field goal. It's just, oh, my, uh, dude, are you watching the other playoff games? Every time a coach punts or kicks a field goal, it comes it's back failed. to fire. It's failed. It's failed, yes. So luckily, Are we going the 100% out. no field goals now? Is that where we're at? Zero? Yeah, we're just like, Bobby, it doesn't matter. Listen, kickers don't matter. Especially if Mahomes is playing. If you are between the 40s or closer or in the opponent's territory, and it's fourth and less than five, yes, I think we sh- I think the Chiefs should go for it every time because they're probably going to get it almost every time, right? And the more, the more touchdowns you score, the more pressure that applies to the other team. And also, side note, Harrison Butker, man, he's been a little inconsistent this season. Hasn't been great. You know, we really don't need him missing a field goal in the playoffs. He already missed against the Browns, obviously. But so, I, yes, I'm concerned about Harrison. And he, he badly missed an extra point, too. I, I know it was windy, I think, uh, last weekend. But he missed an extra point really badly, too. Um, so, yes, I think if it's fourth and less than five and you're in, a, and you're in the Bills territory and you're the Chiefs, go for it, go for it every time. Yes, I think you should. Mm-hmm. And, so, Andy, what, and Andy has the brains to do it. Like he has all these great plays that work all the time. Run one, please. And just don't don't use Mahomes anymore on those. Uh, yeah, just yeah. I guess just don't run options anymore. That's why you got I running backs. You got fullbacks. You got Tyreek Hill. See, this is where we're gonna get into hot takes. So Justin threw it in right as I was gonna finish up a point, but we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to do you keep running the option, and is this the same level as don't sneak with uh, Patrick Mahomes anymore? Uh, so I'll just start with. Uh, the, the idea of field goals, uh, I'm almost in 100% agreement with Nick. I think the only one that they needed to have kicked was at the end of the half. I almost, if I was, if I was the coach, I would have let Patrick Mahomes throw it from the nine-yard line with three seconds left because I'm an idiot. But I think that one I could reasonably give to coaches. Kick that, get the three points heading into a half. Otherwise, yeah, if it's fourth and five, most of the time with Patrick Mahomes, I'm fourth and nine. I'm like, go for it. Done. Because – I just watched Justin Tucker miss some bunnies in this playoff. Justin Tucker doesn't miss a damn thing. So at yeah, this point, that, that, worth it. stop it. Don't ever kick him again. You're done. Do him at the end of halves and to take the lead in very specific situations. Otherwise, just go, man, because the you have, what, three, four possessions? So even if you take the one field goal where don't go for it on the, the nine-yard line, I would have. Uh, the other three, you're telling me in those three possessions where the Chiefs end up getting three points, it was a better option to kick those field goals instead of letting Patrick Mahomes. You tell me in three possessions, Patrick Mahomes isn't going to score once to get you seven instead of three. The math tells you it's a dumb move for you to kick field goals, particularly when it's fourth and five. But honestly, four downs, if you did that, I, I, I tweeted this out in the middle of, I think it was right before Patrick Mahomes got injured or it was right after either way. I don't care because it holds up. If the Chiefs didn't ever kick field goals or punt unless they were be in their own territory behind the 40, like they would win every game. I don't think they would lose in two years. I don't think they'd lose a single game because the advantage of going on fourth down when you have Patrick Mahomes, you would make up all those points. Any bullcrap couple field goals, it, it doesn't even matter if Harrison Butker was perfect. If he made all of them, you would have more points going each time and just a couple 50 percent of the time Patrick Mahomes scoring the touchdown which he would do would win you the game so uh I I we need we, we need a staples button we need to be able to hit the button and be like hey I you can do the rest of football you can coach everything else let me call this and say hey we need to do uh, ass mad and we need to do a verticals route because you need to stop sending that field goal unit on the on there you need to stop punters just gone once Dustin Colquitt retired we don't need him anymore. They're done. Get punters out of the game. It's it's not good for football. Which, by the way, he's back with the Chiefs. Now he's retired. He left the Chiefs. He's not real. 
Doesn't exist, Justin. <laughs> okay, so for, first of all, you brought up the 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 misses by Tucker. Hey, give credit to Mother Nature. That that win was a factor, man. I mean, those those goalposts were shaken. I mean, Mother that, Nature doesn't stop Patrick Mahomes from throwing these awesome throws down the field. So if it stops kickers, they're worthless. Get them off the field. <laughs> all right. And so the I other point Justin made. What what was the one I was about to get angry at? Oh, when when I, when I said that's why you got running backs. That's why you've got uh, fullbacks to 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 you know to run those fourth and oh, one. Oh yeah, the, the option. And then, okay. Yeah, and you got Tyree Kill. Have him come off one side, and he so, just. So how many games did you want the Chiefs <laughs> to win this year? Oh, I, I was saying around fourteen, fifteen, and that's where they. Okay, because if they didn't run the option, they would have won like twelve games this year. There were so many moments in the year where Patrick Mahomes running an option play got them big yards. We all cheered. We loved the duck waddle. We were so glad he got out of bounds. So one time he gets caught and a guy, what might not even have been a concussion, looked more like a choke out. And he, he head bounces off the, the, the ball and he pops up and falls back down. That moment means stop doing a play that has proven to be effective this season. Just get it's out. Because like, there's alternatives to get the one yard line. Like back, there's ways to get it. This QB option is pretty important to what the Chiefs do schematically. Here's a question for you, Mac. Which play do you think is more likely to get pat? Like, which play do you think more likely that Mahomes is going to get injured on? A QB sneak or an option play where he's got a safety or a linebacker coming like a missile right at him when he's running down the line of scrimmage? Which which play do you think he's more likely to get injured? Option. I'm gonna go with the QB sneak because I watched him miss games because of it, and this concussion ain't keeping him out, baby. Okay, listen. Missed, I don't, I don't think that's... The fourth quarter that they didn't need him because. Anything is possible. So Listen, I don't I'm think gonna say the QB sneak is more reckless. I don't I don't think that's the right answer. And, I, and I'm and I'm not saying that the Chiefs should never run an option again because I, I think at some point, just like with the whole sneak debacle where they decided never run a sneak again, at some point run a sneak. Or just run Chad Henney out there and run a sneak. It's not rocket science. And that's anyway. what I thought that's what I thought they were gonna do on that fourth and one when Henny hit when he threw it to Hill. I thought they were gonna do it again. I thought they were gonna uh do a similar option like what they did with Mahomes. I mean, the moment I knew they were going for, I'm like, yep, they're going to do it all over again. So, I mean, you can run the option if you want, but, like, listen, Mac, you understand that the Chiefs need Patrick Mahomes. They can't let him, They can't let him. you know, get heat-seeking missile safeties coming at him, right? You know, you know what? Him. More likely to get him injured and bang him up more? Not blocking for him. That's been a bigger issue than running a QB option where one time they, they made the right read. Every That's other true. Time, Patrick Mahomes is running wide open. Uh, on that one, Patrick Mahomes also probably should have pitched it. Like, oh, should have pitched. So the, the, when you look at it, you're like, okay, well, this is a bad play, and it puts him in harm's way. It's the game of football. They're always in harm's way. And if it was, like, a problem where they're running QB options, like, enough times in a game that you're like, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes got hit, like, six times. Stop running the damn thing. This is one time that a bad thing happened. But there's been other plays where he's put himself in worse situations. He got hit, got right back up, and nobody said a damn word about don't ever run that play again. So I, 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 I'm just saying we're looking at the outcome and deciding get rid of something in your playbook that works. The QB sneak, while I know it's really effective, they've also been pretty effective picking it up anyways in other situations. So if you can avoid Patrick Mahomes getting, I don't know, a 1,000 pounds smashing on him to pick up one yard, maybe do a different play. If you're going to one time get hit, which he gets hit on other football plays, that doesn't seem like a reason to get rid of plays that actually have picked up big first downs. They've got them in situations to score, to take 
leads in games this year. Like I said, without that QB option, they probably lose two or three more games this season. Don't get the first round by. And that's a bigger worry because that's in a whole extra game for Patrick Mahomes to get hit by huge NFL defenders that might put him out of the ball game. You know what's safer? Getting a bye week. That's safer for Patrick Mahomes. Right. And it was two weeks off. That's two weeks less of getting hit because they won those games, Nick. So think about it. Hey, I got to poke a hole in your, oh, one bad thing argument. That one bad thing could be a torn ACL. Super Bowl, see ya. No more Super Bowl. Canceled. Season You're describing canceled. every play. I agree with you, but listen, bro. At some level, there are plays that are more risky for a guy to get hurt than other plays, right? Okay, so we need to we need to make sure that we're we're protecting most because listen, more quarterbacks get hurt hanging in the back, waiting to throw down the field, which is Patrick Mahomes' bread and butter. Patrick Mahomes puts himself in the most dangerous play every play. Are you saying don't do it? No, but you have to factor in what are the results, what is it worth, and what are the risks. And in terms of saying, oh, because Patrick Mahomes made the wrong read and got himself hit by this guy, and once again. The injury, he went down. He found a way to otherwise not get hurt other than the guy wrapped his arm around his neck, flipped over, and threw all his weight on his head. Like, those are situations that are going to happen. They're not because of an option play. They're because NFL is inherently dangerous and erratic. All I'm saying is it's very, very, very difficult to win a Super Bowl. And the Chiefs have a great window right now for the next couple years, right? But if Mahomes tears an ACL, there goes one of your chances, right? So, yes, we need to – or if he has a concussion and he's out for the playoffs, there goes one of your chances. Yeah, you made so a think, great point for getting better linemen. Good point, yeah. Nick. Marco, you've been quiet in the corner for a while. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was – I thought you just did, like, you put the picture up and, like, left it on and you just kind of left us arguing. Uh, Marco, what do you think about this? Do you want to jump in and yell about the option a bit before we move uh, on to the other game? We're going to talk for 40 minutes about the cheese and, like, five about the other – NFC game. I was, watch, I was just watching the show. I was having a good time. Um, I, I have, <laughs> I have no problem with the option at all. I, I thought, like you said, Mac, we ran. They, the Chiefs have ran plenty of times, and we've seen the shimmy move from Mahomes. Hell, they ran the same play and scored a touchdown in the game right before it. So, uh, no, I got no problem with the play call there. It's just a freak accident. Those happen in football. And the whole point about the whole, whole argument with the ACL, he could do a ten yard drop back and tear his ACL. That's how crazy. That's what. That's how crazy. Uh, this well, is. well, I will see one play. So tear an ACL. You know what's most likely to tear an ACL? Having him run a fucking wheel route and not even be past the defender. There you, you know, go. There's another. That's one. more likely <laughs> to tear his ACL than yeah. him running yeah. an option play. Uh, also, you have to also. Uh, point out the factor of what what the the field conditions like if if you're on a field that's kind of uh, artificial turf that's a great yeah, way yeah, yeah. That, that's how I, I tore my ACL playing football our field is artificial turf and you get your foot caught in a very awkward uh, direction and pop snap you're done and uh, I don't think uh, Arrowhead has that kind of turf so I think Mahomes is safe on that as far as dropping back 30 yards or whatever you know to throw a pass I say 30 because of that uh, that one he had against the Dolphins where he got sacked for 30 yards. Uh, but you can't blame him for dropping back so far because the line can't protect him. But, uh, no, field, field conditions also a factor as well. Yeah, I, I would say, like, I, I didn't see anything out there on that game that was, uh, you know, the, the field. I think that we've seen a couple games this year where things get torn up and 
uh, you know, in a situation like that, sure, take the option out. Uh, in this case, I'm not getting rid of a play that's successful because one time something bad happened. Like, yeah, you might, that is crazy. You might, yell, you might yell at me for this, but I personally think that given the circumstances, the Chiefs O-line has played pretty well. Uh, people might disagree with that, but that's why. Well, that's if you say I, given the circumstances, if you're like, it's in a vacuum, are they a good offensive line this year? Not really. No, are they no. good when you lost uh, LDT and uh, Eric Fisher got hurt down the stretch? Mitch Schwartz is out on the other side? Of course. Yeah, like, also got they, hurt. they played amazingly well, considering Patrick Mahomes is also still running for his life every game. These are both true statements. Yeah, but Mahomes is good at that. So, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah but, he's, but, he's good at it. And then he got banged up, and then he got tackled. Now, get rid of the option the play. Thing and, uh, is, we'll, we'll I, it all the time. One thing is, I will stand up and defend the Chiefs' offensive line. I don't think they've been that bad, given the circumstances, with the fact that uh, DuVernay Tardif did, hasn't played this season. They've had all sorts of injuries. I think they've done a pretty good job overall. They've done a good job. Yeah, but they're, they're going to have to look. Do Springer. I think they do a good job, too. Thank yeah, but, I'm but just saying you, you can't rail on a bunch of guys that are that are hurt, and one of the one of the starters. I didn't missing, call like, any of them like scrubs or anything. I didn't say they suck. I'm just describing uh, the quality of their play this year, which hasn't been. That they've sucked, and I'm here to say that they haven't sucked. That's all I'm saying. They they've sucked. Like it, they've been better <laughs> than they could be. They have, but they've they've sucked, and not the whole season, but at parts. And if anything, oh, okay. their scheme has helped them patch up holes better yes. than they should be able to, which isn't it's an offensive line thing. That's a coaching thing. That's like, good job, coach, setting it up. But that's still something that when you face a defense, particularly like Buffalo, that already showed they could give them trouble without their full group of guys that they'll have in this game. That can be a problem because they know that the interior of the Chiefs line is it's smoke and mirrors. It's a card game. And if you make the right calls and you, you keep the pressure on, you can get to Mahomes or, you know, anything is possible. You can get to whoever's back there for the Chiefs, and that is a scary thing. You can't just write it off as, well, they did good this year. That is still one of the big weaknesses of the Chiefs and could be a factor if Buffalo is able to get the win here in the, the conference championship game. Oh, I, I would say that if Mahomes was not the quarterback of the Chiefs, if they had a different quarterback, the offensive line would be way worse. They would have given up way more sacks. Like Mahomes, Mahomes himself – Mahomes himself. <laughs> if you have Henny, he just throws the ball. Like, it's like it, your offense is much worse, but you're just playing, get it out as fast as you can, don't take the sacks. Mahomes gets himself a lot of sacks where even though the offensive line is bad, he sometimes makes them look worse because he is taking seven-step drops, and he's like, just going to hang. No, they look way better because he, he runs around for 20 minutes and then throws a 50-yard touchdown pass. He also Great gets ball. Situations where he's hit and it's a QB pressure that otherwise an offensive line that isn't that great right now with missing pieces, their PFF grade goes down because Patrick Mahomes is just hanging back there. But the Chiefs' offensive line doesn't complain. You know why? Because they do know one play didn't work, two play didn't work. By the third play, Patrick Mahomes is getting the ball downfield to Tyree Kill. So we know we have to play this way. But in terms of saying that Patrick Mahomes being out would get them. Uh, you know, more sacks. I don't know if that's true because they would just play a different offense and, and throw the ball out and they wouldn't have their quarterback hanging back there for eight seconds on a play to be like, yeah, let's see. Uh, found it. Like, it, it's a different style of play. Uh, the main point is, uh, Nick, you started out strong and then you just went with a bunch of points that were completely wrong, but uh, that's okay, <laughs> Nick. I've, I've enjoyed you out of this first one. Uh, it's good to have 
arguments. We never have arguments about Chiefs other than Marco trying to say that they can, uh, you know, teams can run the ball to to stop them. Otherwise, we're all we're all lovey dovey. We say nice things and we move on. I'm glad to bring on Nick so we can actually have a back and forth while we're in the Chiefs part of the debate. We went 40 minutes. That hasn't happened all year. Uh, now we're gonna <laughs> change it to the Bucks and the Packers, and uh, we're we're just gonna start with the same thing. Uh, you know, we mentioned it earlier. This is a game we've already seen this year, and uh, it was the outlier because the pa- the Packers have been the best team in the NFC. They got killed by the Buccaneers in week six and the Buccaneers were, that looked like the moment, Hey, they're going to take off. Uh, they have been start and stop. They have not been able to keep uh, their foot on the gas. Even when they added Antonio Brown in the lineup, it's become a group of all stars. And while the top end has looked really, really good, uh, it has been consistent enough to get into the conference championship game. Still seems like it's hard to say, you know, I, I would, I definitely wouldn't be putting money on them. I love to vote underdogs that are really good and have a chance. I'm not putting money on the, the, the Buccaneers, even with Tom Brady back there, still icing games. Marco, we'll start with you. Uh, with what you saw in that first game and then what you've seen from these teams going down the stretch, uh, do, do you think the Bucs have any chance of uh, putting up a repeat performance of what we saw in week six where uh, they, they just went on fire and just ran over the Packers? I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll see the repeat that we saw in week eight, um, but – there is, you got to give the Buccaneers a chance here as well, because if the Packers can't get to the quarterback, which they did so well against the Rams, I think that it's going to be a, uh, it, not a long day, but you're definitely, that's definitely not what you want to do when playing uh, Tom Brady is giving him time in the pocket. Uh, and just watching the way, just watch, just watching uh, how he still is a game manager, what he did down in New Orleans against the Saints defense, putting up 30 points on them. I, I, with the help of the defense getting three interceptions, you're not going to get that. I don't think in this game because you're playing Aaron Rodgers, who's playing at a higher, who's playing at a better and a higher level than Drew Brees was. But you get, yeah, get if the, if the Buccaneers can, uh, if, the, if, if Brady can make the most of the drives, knowing that he's not going to get any extra ones, uh, and the Buccaneers can win the turnover battle somehow, uh, I, I would give them a good shot in this one, but. Going to go, going up against the Packers in the way that their offenses looked this year and how how fluid they are, are running and Aaron Rodgers playing at the MVP level, I it's 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 hard it's hard to say who you who who you pick to cover the spread in this one. I don't even know what the line's set at. Is it a is it a six point line? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look it. Up. I'll look it up right. here. So, while he's looking it up, that's good because I was going to go throw a curveball. I was going to jump the order and just go straight to Nick on this one. Uh, hey. Which, uh, I just want to know which one you think is more impressive. Uh, the Packers keeping the Rams at arm's length, getting that victory. Uh, obviously, with Aaron Donald not getting to play the whole game, that really helped them. But still, the offense delivered. And uh, as Marco mentioned, a pass rush that wasn't always getting to the quarterback found a way to get to one where uh, once you do that, uh, whether it was Jared Goff or Woford, uh, they knew that if you get a little bit of pressure, uh, Rams offense wasn't going to have a good time. Is that the more impressive victory, or is it the Bucs scoring 17 unanswered against the Saints that uh, until Drew Brees just uh, completely uh, fizzled out? I, I, I've never seen somebody who their career, like he said he was going to retire, and that must have been because he knew how bad he was about to play. Uh, when you look at those two games, who had the more impressive victory heading into the NFC Championship game? I think it was definitely the Packers because Drew Brees sucks. He has sucked. He's been horrible the whole season. The dude should have retired more through the season. He, he, I mean, listen, 
I, I, I like Drew Brees. I have nothing against him. But I'm let just me, let me double check this, though. Cheese off of the line. Actually good. Drew Brees this season. Horrible the whole time. Is that where we're at? Yes, Drew Brees is the reason why the Saints are not in the NFC Championship game. If they would have ran out Jameis or Taysom Hill, they'd be in the NFC Championship game. Don't prove your point. Like, yeah, he sucks now, but he had a good year, even when early no, on. He no, he had, no, he played, no, there were he numerous games where he there were numerous games where he was horrible. Now the Saints still won some of those games, but Drew Brees objectively was bad. I'm not I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. He's been horrible. And if and if the Saints had rolled out Jameis or Taysom Hill, they would have won. So the the Packers. Uh, victory is way more way more impressive to me because they were able to maintain their momentum. They've looked great, obviously, the past two months. Basically, they've looked unstoppable, really. And they were able to continue that against the Rams. And I see no reason why the Packers uh, are going to get stopped by Tampa Bay either. Uh, I think they're going to win this game. And I, I think it's not even really that close. I don't – I mean, I, I think the game will be close. But to me, the Packers have looked so good. And I, I think they're going to be able to, to win this game and go to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has been playing outstanding. Um, and I think their win against the Rams is more impressive. I think for the Bucs, um, obviously you have Tom Brady, so that gives you some brownie points, I guess, for the chance to win. Um, but and, but, and Leonard Fournette's played well. But beyond that, their defense really helped them out against the Saints because they were playing Drew Brees, and so that led them to a win. Uh, but, I think, <laughs> but I think the Packers, I think the Packers are, are going to win the game against the Buccaneers, yes. All right, so Nick, let me, let me run these off, and then I'll jump to Justin and get his point on here. So. Uh, Drew Brees this year, we got a 70.5 completion percentage, uh, 2,900 yards. That's the only throws five yards. 24 touchdowns, six interceptions. We have, uh, you said, uh, what was the word? You said objectively, bad year. QBR of 74.5. So uh, with those numbers, what about those is objectively bad? I'm not saying not at the Drew Brees level. This isn't the you know, uh, the great Drew Brees anymore. That's obvious. But when you're saying objectively bad, what about those stats tell you that? I, I think just from the eye test I've been watching watching him, I think there have been games where he has played poorly, and because of the fact that he has Alvin Kamara that he can throw to every play, that he's been bailed out by that a lot. I don't think he's been good. He hasn't been able to throw the ball. He hasn't been able to throw the ball effectively on the field more than 10 yards at all. Uh, Michael Thomas had zero catches against the Bucks because Drew Brees couldn't get it to him. So, yes, when you have Alvin Kamara and you can just throw a little flat route to him every play, I'd have same completion percentage for the for the Chains, too. That's all he does. That's all he did. So, I, I mean, first of all, there there are teams that have skill players that are on the level of – like, obviously, Alvin Kamara, like, you're, you, he's one of the best backs in the league. But say the Vikings. I mean, you have a team that has Dalvin Cook. They have Justin Jefferson now. Had Stephon Diggs last year. They got Adam Thielen. You can have those weapons. And if you're Kirk Cousins, you still suck and don't win ball games. So when Drew Brees, whatever it takes, the fact that he does have a deficiency, and that is the reason they lost. That is the reason they couldn't get to this uh, next game because the, the Buccaneers uh, took advantage of the fact that he could only throw 10 yards down the field. He still threw 10 yards down the field more effectively than half the quarterbacks in the league, which then tells you that, hey, guess what? That is a good season. You're not objectively bad when you accomplish that. Because bad quarterbacks look like Kirk Cousins. Justin, I will jump to you real fast. Uh, when you're looking at these teams, uh, obviously, I, I made the argument Packers are the most complete team in the NFL. So let's just start there. Does does that hold up? Do you believe that at this point, the Packers are proven to be the most complete team in the NFL this season? Okay, so first of all, um, 
I did look up the spread for the uh, championship game between the Bucks and the Packers. It's three in favor of Green Bay. Um, I, w- I was going to actually kind of jump off on on Nick. Um, I, I agree. I, 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 I agree. I, I think uh, the uh, the win against the Rams is more impressive. I came away very impressed with the uh, Packers O line, how they're able to contain uh, Aaron Donald, and I think. Uh, if they can maintain, if they can contain him, I think they're going to do an absolute uh, great job against Tampa's defense. And I think Aaron Rodgers, he's just going to be back there all day picking them apart because we've seen Tampa's secondary struggle at times, especially we, we saw uh, what's his face struggle against uh, Tyreek Hill when the Chiefs were down there in Tampa, and Tyreek put up the what fifth most fantasy points in one game in, in fantasy football history. Uh, which was like what seventy points, something like that, yeah. which was awesome. That was awesome. It was awesome. I will say though that that was less about the Buccaneers just being bad in the secondary and more of a huge schematic mistake where they kept going single high. And yeah, the, that's the, fair. You mean put, put, put blame on Todd Bowles on that Greg, one? Greg Williams wouldn't have allowed that to happen. So <laughs> oh, I'm not really? sure. How oh, I, th- I think he would have allowed it because you saw what happened. Yeah, he, didn't, he, didn't he wasn't going to do single high safety like that. And, and keep doing it. You just watch. And they, they went away from it for like a play. And then they went and did it again. I'm just watching like, yeah, that's a touchdown again. And sure enough, Tyreek Hill touchdown. Like I, th- that was just an obvious. Uh, they, I guess they were trying to prove a point that they were good enough to play that way with Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill wasn't a monster who was just going to outrun him down the field. Uh, they I don't know why they didn't stop doing that. Uh, by the midpoint of that game, but you know, sure enough, uh, that was a, that was a mistake. And I doubt they'll do that against the chiefs again. Uh, I, I don't think the Packers really have a Tyreek Hill, uh, type situation on their team. Cause Devonta Adams, uh, top receiver in the NFL. Uh, but it's not those go routes that Tyreek Hill can pull off. Uh, I, I, do they have, do they have a speedster on the Packers? I think that's probably the one thing missing from my, uh, I don't, I don't think they do. They have, uh, they have Marquez Valdez scaling. He's like, it's close. Fast, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, Number 83 for the Packers. Okay. He's got like three of them, though. It's like, oh, is Tyreek Hill tired? I guess, Miko, get in there. They're like, yeah, buy yeah, our drink, yeah. in, have fun. Uh, okay, but like, Demarcus Robinson, it's your turn. Like, we might as well. That's, that's four of them. <laughs> I mean, technically, Sammy Watkins is that speed of receiver. They just don't put him on those routes very often. Yeah, but, I'm bad at Sammy for not playing last week, but I'm glad he'll be back. Oh, is he, is he going to play? This I think he's slated to be able to play, yes. I believe so. That's good. All right, so with the, the, the matchup of the Packers-Buccaneers, we talked a, a lot about the stuff right now. For me, I, I think the big thing is that I don't want to count out what Tom Brady is capable of at this point. He's proven so much. It still wasn't a great game from him with the Saints. Like, he closed it. He's still being the closer in uh, a playoff game. And while uh, Nick can go with the credibility of Drew Brees, you can't go with the credibility of the Saints defense. The Saints defense has been good all year, and the fact that Tom Brady did that showed that I can still trust Tom Brady to do that in the playoffs, not just because he's facing, uh, you know, Washington, who a uh, really good defense, but this is their first year putting that all together. And on the other side, it's it's easy to be confident knowing that you're going up against Tyler Henneke. So that doesn't quite count. Even going up against Drew Brees, as bad as uh, Nick thinks he is, you have to look at the fact that the Saints have found a way to win with Taysom Hill. They've found a way, even if it is all uh, Alvin Kamara, then he gets the job done. So oh, that is something crazy. that the, the Buccaneers have to uh, 
uh, respect and reason with. And even with that pressure on, uh, they were down. They were down 20 to 13. Tom Brady roars back, gets the 17 unanswered. They they, they win handedly. Uh, th- that's because Tom Brady still has enough. Will that be and enough? Drew Brees threw five interceptions. That helps as well. But uh, it, it, but Tom Brady moved the ball down the field. He's oh, I, no, I, I agree. With you. I agree. With you. I agree. So it, it, he started the game slow, finished it off, and against the Packers, it, it's just going to be tough because what we've seen is that Packers team will start early, they will get a lead, and then they'll pressure you. And even if you're able to put some points up, like that defense will make enough plays to slow you down. You're not going to be able to keep up with the Packers who won't slow down. Like that's the one benefit. That's the difference between what the Chiefs done and the Packers have done this year. Aaron Rodgers is like, oh, we're up 20. Uh, let me throw this like five yard out route so I can get another touchdown. I don't think just because the regular season's over, he's still not counting stats. He'll do the same thing. And with the Buccaneers team that I know can score, they have to get that lead. Like they have to stick with them. They stuck with them in that first game and then got an advantage, kept piling on. And then the defense kept getting to Aaron Rodgers. But if you let this game start the way that uh, the Packers are going up against a better defense in the Rams and they still put up 16 real quick and just kept the game in hand from there. That's going to be the key for the Buccaneers. Start fast, get the job done. That's a little scary because as much as I think Tom Brady can close, can he open anymore? Can he do that in a big game against the Packers? Can he go toe-for-toe with Aaron Rodgers in the early going? Because he'll have to if they expect to win this game. Any other takeaways from conference championship before we uh, we'll talk for like five minutes about whatever else is on my rundown, but anything else you guys want to hit for, for NFL before we move on. Uh, um, other than Drew Brees being bad. Nope. I'm good. <laughs> By the way, if anybody's sat checking, I said he threw five picks. He only threw three against the, against the pack, against the, the, the Buccaneers. So credit to credit to Drew. One, two, three. It must've felt like five, but it was only three. <laughs> <laughs> Which, once again, doesn't prove the point that he was bad this season. Like, his numbers say he wasn't. My eyeballs say he was. I mean, we all saw the same thing. I think we have a different opinion of what's bad, where you're like, well, he can't throw 15 yards down the field. I'm like, if he's cutting, dicing people up, like, 10 yards down the field, that's fine. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're built to do. And he did most of it without Michael Thomas. And even having Michael Thomas back in this last game, they still didn't get a chance to get that offense going again with him. And I think that when Michael Thomas is there, you start to see more of the 15 to 20 yards down the field. You'll, you don't want Drew Brees throwing 30 yards down the field, but the rest of it, when he can That's throw at a 70% clip and that offense is rolling, then he can. And he did at times. He just can't do that when Michael Thomas is out or if Michael Thomas is back and he, they don't have time to actually find that rhythm again. They didn't the have that is, chance. The offense is not rolling because of him. The offense is rolling, and he's just there along for the ride. That's all it is. Yes, because Jameis Winston, you throw him in, it would have worked out great. That, that's the reason when Drew Brees got hurt, they were like, I guess we'll change up the entire offense to go with Taysom Hill because this just could be done by freaking anyone, Nick. Let's throw Taysom. Oh, yeah, that's right. Exactly. You're proving my point that Drew Brees sucks. It can be done by anybody. I it wasn't. Taysom Hill did not run that offense. They went to a whole new offense because Drew Brees couldn't play. So that doesn't because prove your Taysom point, Hill, man. That's because Taysom Hill sucks too. This is awesome. You, t- you, t- you two just bickering over this is just yeah, like it's, it's priceless. I don't think Taysom Hill sucks, but obviously Taysom Hill is a completely different style of player. So guys are yeah. going to change the offense. But that's the thing is like if it could be done by anybody, they would have kept with Jameis Winston. 
The fact that you need somebody to run this offense who is oh, pinpoint accurate on those 10-yard throws, that's why you move on to Taysom Hill. You're missing the fact that Sean Payton is secretly in love with Taysom Hill. And it's not secretly. He says it in every interview. He says it all the time. I think there's more Taysom oh, Hill quotes than Drew Brees quotes. Uh, so, so, Justin, did you have one more thing to hit before we get on? Out yeah, I, I actually did. I, I just thought about this. Uh, can we, <laughs> can we uh, maybe, like the Browns, can we maybe point out the fact that they maybe went away from uh, Alvin Kamara? I know Kamara didn't have his normal type of like rushing numbers. I think he was like held at 85 yards, something like that. So that's credit to Tampa Bay. But I think maybe – uh, they went away from Alvin Kamara and didn't use him enough, just like how the Browns didn't use Kareem Hunt enough. And I know it's nowhere near to that level because obviously Kareem only got the ball, what, six times, and Kamara obviously had the ball more times than that. But I, it always depends. It's a possibility. It, I, I have to look at the play sheet. I'm not sure they went away from him when they had the lead. They obviously went away from him. Uh, a little more when Tampa took the lead back and they had to to throw it in the fourth. And that's obviously where Drew Brees lack of uh, an arm, uh, you know, just sunk them in that game. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, once again, I, without looking at the, the exact uh, play by play, I can't say whether, Oh, you didn't go to this guy in the right time. You didn't do this because running backs, we all, we all know at some point in the game, particularly when you're down, you got to throw. And also when you're leading, you also probably should still throw. So outside of not getting it to, to Kamara on a, you know, screen pass, this and that. I think they've called about as many screen passes with them as they can. Uh, I don't think that's what's missing from the Saints offense. And, uh, you know, if, if the Buccaneers come out and stop that, if they keep him in check by, uh, you know, keeping a hat on him, then you have to make throws to other people. Saints weren't able to do that. They lost the game. Uh, I, I, I think that's that's it for NFL. Uh, I The only topic I really wanted to hit, and I've had on the sheet for a little while, but I haven't had time for college hoops. So real fast, uh, now that I, uh, it's good to talk about this after KU lost to Baylor because I had this penciled in. I'm like, I still hope KU beats them and just uh, renders this argument pointless. When we're talking to the top two teams. Bill Self had the quote. He, he said, it, it, it's Gonzaga, it's Baylor, uh, and then there's a there's just a giant gap. there. And he's played both, played Gonzaga early in the year, just had to go up against Baylor. Uh, when you look at these teams right now, uh, which team do you think is uh, – obviously Gonzaga is the number one on the – uh, on the rankings, but do you think that Gonzaga has that clearly, or is Baylor starting to make an argument for being the best team in the nation? Justin, we'll start with you. No, I, I think it's pretty clear. I think it's Gonzaga. I mean, I, I watching them against KU and then seeing other highlights of some of their games, they are just a scoring machine. I mean, they they're they're so consistent. Uh, I know they don't they don't get the the traditional five star players, but I mean, Mark Few. His system year in, year out is just so consistent. And I mean, no one can stop them. And of course, they don't really play by it in that horrible conference they play in. Uh, I don't know what, what the name of that league is. Uh, they should personally move to the Pac 12, get a little more, you know, competition. Um, but no, it, it's 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 not it's it's not close. I know Baylor's really good, and Baylor was really good last year. Of course, due to COVID, they didn't they didn't really get their chance to uh, go make a run in March. Uh, but right now, it's it's not close. Gonzaga's number one team, and their offense is just the reason why. And I, they're really good defensively, too, but it's the offense that really jumps out at me. And that's what really impresses me with Gonzaga is their scoring ability, and they're so unstoppable. All right, Nick, we'll jump straight to you. 
Yeah, this is going to be the case where I'm going to 100% agree. I don't really think it's particularly close. I think Gonzaga's clearly by far the top team. Um, that's not to say that Baylor, like I like just that's not to say that Baylor's not really good. They are. Uh, I just think Gonzaga is way better. And listen, people are going to say, listen, this is, I'm going to be a major, major homer here for a second. Just hear me out for a second. People say, well, it's Baylor, it's Gonzaga, then everybody else, right? I think KU is like pretty close uh, up, up there behind those two teams. And even though they've lost, mm-hmm. the I think on their, I think talent wise, if they can play well, they, I think they're on that level. And against Baylor, for example, on the road, KU pretty much played horribly for the most part, I would say. And they were still able to cut the lead down to five late in the game and before Jared Butler decided to just go crazy, right? So I, I personally, total, this is a complete homer take. I'm willing to admit it. I personally believe that KU is not that far behind those teams. And I think assuming they can get the ball rolling, as Mac uh, has alluded, alluded to before or before we started the whole podcast, is that there's always kind of the sense of, you know, well, KU will come together. That's kind of what I'm basically saying is I think KU, they're going to come together and – I think they're not that far behind uh, Baylor and Gonzaga. Uh, no, but- and, and I think after Baylor and Gonzaga, there's nobody, there's certainly nobody else that I think is better than KU uh, after those two teams. No, and I mean, that, that's a very valuable point. And KU, what they're really missing is they don't have the traditional uh, backcourt that you've seen in recent years with the, the Devontae Grahams, the Frank Masons of the world. Um, there's not that true point guard, and every time, uh, uh, I'm trying to th- my, uh, not Miles Garrett, but uh, Garrett. Marcus Garrett, thank you. Uh, every time when he has to run the point, that that's just not his game. Um, that that kind of suffers. You don't have the traditional uh front court, you don't have that Aduga as a bouquet down there low. You Let's don't not have- call Yudoka traditional. Let's not do that. that it- that there's nobody else that's been on a team that look like Yudoka on any team, let alone Kansas team. Like that's a very specific okay. one type of player. Well, the, the, I guess my point is you don't have an actual traditional uh, size down low. Uh, McCormick, I mean, he's, he's kind of he's, hit or yeah, miss. He, he, he's been on and off. I mean, he'll have his great games, then he'll so, kind of. He's been off, and then in the last, like, I mean, that, this is where I, I, I will just jump in to, to, to go after Nick's point, which is the idea is, who's better right now? Well, I also believe in the potential of KU. I believe in Bill Self getting it together. But that's not what's on the court right now. And the weirdest part, and the thing that might either tells you they're really in trouble or they'll start to figure it out and, may, they, you know, it's going to be very tough to try to win another Big 12 uh, regular season conference title but it will get you prepared for the run in March. And that's that they were playing really, really good, despite the fact that David McCormick, their only big, was awful. That was not on and off. He was off. He was bad oh, the was whole bad. time. And then over the last like handful of games, he's come on. He has started to play in a way that he's he figured out, jump up, throw up layups, stop shooting mid-range jumpers, because that ain't your game, boy. Doesn't right. matter how much you like to do it. Stop it. And he has started to be a much more effective player. The problem is, as soon as that happened, everybody else fell off. And it's inexplicable. I have to imagine they'll figure it out. I have to imagine Jalen Wilson will start to play closer to what he did when uh, he really impressed early on in the year. And when you can do that, they have enough talent to compete with a team like Baylor. But that's not who it is right now. And now I have to make the case for Baylor because the idea that they're not close. Like, Gonzaga... Any other year, it's not a good idea to attack. Okay, they're in a whack conference. 
conference, and they're literally in the WAC conference. Like the WAC, those, those guys aren't good. But Gonzaga is clearly good, and just because they're not facing good teams, you can see when they're winning by thirty that they're that damn good. But you know, this year against some of the top teams, St. Mary's is probably the best competition they face. Uh, I don't have the score up here, but I think it was like a fifteen-point game that they end up winning. So they're doing good against the good teams they face. Baylor night in and night out is beating the best of the Big Twelve by double digits. Like yeah. uh, at the end of the day, yeah, KU made a run at it. They still lost by eight. The the, the Baylor goes on the road. They beat Texas Tech by eight. Like th- this Baylor team is playing so good. I feel like you guys are underselling where they're at. And I don't want to become the guy that's trying to knock down Gonzaga and pretend like, well, you don't play anybody, so you're not good. They're damn good, and they're probably the number one team in the country. But to say that there's a distance, like. I don't think so. I think Baylor has edged that. And the fact that they get to have those games, that's an advantage because I would say talent-wise, these teams are pretty close. Uh, I would say right now, though, Baylor is getting that experience facing really good teams, and they're getting the job done night in, night out. I'll tell you this. They they were supposed to face off early in the year, those two teams, but then it was canceled due to COVID. So that would have been a great uh, uh, point to be able to see who was better between the two. But unfortunately, we, we won't get to see that due to the COVID outbreak. Um, but um, no, no, Mac, that, that's, that's really fair. And I trust me, I mean, I, I, I do want to uh, give credit to Bayer because I'm a Big 12 guy because we, you know, KU, K-State and et cetera. Um, but I don't know, man, it's just seeing that, 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 scoring machine of Gonzaga that that's just the one thing I mean I've already said it that's that's the one thing that's got me so impressed with them and um I know Baylor's defense has gotten better throughout the years under Scott Drew and they're pretty good this year but man um I'm just right now I'm I'm gonna go with Gonzaga on the on the on this one but uh you, you made a fair point how maybe the gap is not that far off between those two teams I'm going to make another statement that's going to really upset you. Are you ready? Go for it. Those are my favorite statements. Texas Tech sucks. Every team in the Big 12 sucks. Besides KU and Baylor, everybody in the Big 12 sucks. Okay. You know, this, this isn't this – isn't, okay, I will go even further. Besides Baylor and Gonzaga, pretty much every team outside of them sucks and could lose to anybody on every given night. I mean – this let's, isn't, check the, let's check the standings, man. Justin, you go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the standings. I mean, Tech's not the same team as two years ago under Chris Beard, but and they don't score as efficiently as they did two years ago. Um, I wouldn't say they suck. I mean, they've had some tough losses. I know the loss to KU was tough in Lubbock. They they had that game in the bag. I thought, and I thought KU was gonna lose that game, but then of course, I mean. Hall of Fame coach Bill Self, he's always going to find a way to get his team to win ball games like that. So, I mean, give KU credit on that one, but uh, I, w- I wouldn't really say that Tech sucks. I mean, they're just not nearly as good as two years ago because that team was a juggernaut. I just, I just think that the state of college basketball right now, especially with no crowds, oh, it's uh, down massively. I mean, uh, it's, yeah, seen- besides besides Baylor and Gonzaga, literally any team could lose to anybody anywhere on any night which is why the tournament, I think, is going to be pretty wild. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and because, for example, you look at KU. Certainly that's an example of KU. Um, KU at Allen Field, Allen Field without no fans. Yes, that's a huge, 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 massive disadvantage for KU. Because, for instance, the Texas game earlier this year 
with fans, KU, may, they probably don't win that game, but they certainly don't lose by 25. No, uh, they might lose by like 10. Uh, but, you know, fans, for KU specifically, fans are everything, uh, both at mm-hmm. home and on the road. KU tends to play up to crowds when they're on the road also. Um, so that's a huge blow for KU. But I just, like I said, I just think in general, besides Gonzaga and Baylor, I don't think there's any other team in college basketball besides those teams that is like really good. And I would feel confident in every single game, even KU. I mean, even KU, I don't feel super confident in KU. Um, I didn't feel confident in them against Baylor on the road and I had no reason to, they ended up losing by eight. So I, I just think the the state of college basketball is one of, there are a lot of teams that are, that can be played pretty good on certain nights and they can be horrible on other nights. And that's just how it is besides Baylor and Gonzaga, who are, I think are two teams that are just above everybody else. But I do, I, I do want to point this out because I love this, and it's the fact that Duke is down, Kentucky's down, and North Carolina's down. I mean, how beautiful is that? You don't I ever. There, I think there are a lot of KU fans that are kind of doom and gloom right now because we're ten and four. Kentucky's four and nine. Four right. and nine. They're four right. and nine. Right. right. So who's the real blue blood here? Four and nine. Kentucky, unranked Duke, unranked North Carolina, or ninth ranked Kansas, who just barely who lost to Baylor by single digits. They got it down to four late in the game. And right now, according to Joel Anardi, his latest bracketology update, if it started today, Duke and North Carolina would both be number 11 seeds. I mean, when do you see that? Like, never. Hey, I'll and tell you, I don't you, think it should be in at all, but, you know, whatever. I'll tell you where you never see it. That's at Kansas. The, the quote-unquote down years for KU is when they're well, like – you, you haven't seen that since the 88 team that, I guess, got barely in, into the tournament and, of course, made that run into Kansas City won it all. But since since Bill Self has been at KU, right, it's, 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 it's down years for KU, they've been three and four seeds, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just absurd the amount of consistency that they've had and how well they played every single year. And obviously this is a new challenge this year with COVID and no fat no crap no foul no crowds, no fans, things like that. So it's different for Kansas uh, because that's something that they have always relied on. But to me, if Kansas can scrape together a decent Big 12 run, you know, and get into the and get into the NCAA tournament as a two or three seed. I'm going to pick them, obviously, because they've got a Hall of Fame coach who gets to the Elite Eight 50% of the time he's in the tournament. So I'm going to pick them. Yes, absolutely. I think they have a good chance. And if they get to the Final Four and they have to play Baylor and Gonzaga again, I'm going to give them a decent shot. I think right now, the way I see it, I think the furthest KU can go is probably Sweet 16. Okay, Elite Eight so, right, right now. Justin, here's the thing. I don't know. Nobody else is good, though. I'm about to go both arguments, so I'm going to attack both. So first one, just be adjusted. The idea that any team is like, that's about as far as I go. That's not true about any team. Like, the moment you watch George Mason make it to the Final Four, uh, <laughs> that's not true about any team. The moment you have people tell you KU, it's like one year, is like, this is the juggernaut. This is the team that can win. And they get bounced in the Sweet 16 versus uh, here's a Thomas Robinson year where they have no shot. They can't do it. Tyshawn Taylor's not a good point guard. Uh, and they're in the final four. The the idea that you can tell me right now, that's as far as I can no, That's not true about anybody. Now, if you can tell me that that's where they're likely to end based on how good they are, fine. The idea that there's any sort of cutoff for a team like KU that has as good of players as they do, and they have Bill Self that always gets them ready to go, uh, despite the, the nonsensical arguments of people saying Bill Self isn't a good tournament coach, uh, the numbers say you're a jackass, so let's just not even try to let people start that conversation again. Bill Self gets them ready to go. And so the sky is the limit. I would never say that you can't win because I, 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 it wasn't that long ago there was a Duke game that 
uh, there was a certain person who I worked with at the Lawrence Joe World who covers KU pretty specifically. And I heard a lot from him about there was no way KU could beat Duke. And I watched them uh, beat the brakes off him. It was a good time. So uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, trusting that. I'm not trusting any idea that there's a, a limit. At the same time, when we're looking at where they're at, what they're doing, and you're going to tell me, okay, there's only two teams that matter and everybody else sucks. It's ridiculous. There's usually one, two, three, four teams in college basketball that are like, that's the top team and everybody else, there's a huge gap. That doesn't mean that a, a, a team below them can't knock them off in the tournament. That's the beauty of the tournament. And number two is you don't suck because you're there. Because you're like, oh, any given night you could lose. Yeah, that's all the time. And while there are teams like KU, even when KU wins the Big 12 every year, they usually lose Big 12 games you didn't expect them to lose. They're not just losing against the top team. It's out of nowhere. And in this case, uh, Texas Tech doesn't suck. Texas doesn't suck. Like, at most, the only team I think even fits close to your criteria, Nick, was West Virginia. That's the only one where the record says they're right there in the hunt with KU, but I don't trust them to ever accomplish anything. I don't trust no. them to finish no. game seasons, anything. But otherwise, there are teams in the Big 12 that, yes, they are not elite contenders, but they're really good teams. And right now for Baylor to be beating all of them by double digits, I'm saying that's a huge accomplishment. And the idea that the Big 12 sucks. Like, it definitely doesn't suck more than the whack. So I'm going to give Baylor some credit. I'm going to say that they're, you know, catching up. And the idea that everybody else is like, well, they all suck, but also I'm a KU homer. So KU can break that everybody sucks barrier, but nobody no, else KU, can. No, I think it's not fair. I'll be I'll be saying with no with listen, with crowds, I would be saying I would be going full homer here. With no crowds, absolutely. KU can suck. They will suck. They're probably gonna lose at least three or four more games in the conference. I'm not I don't think they're gonna win the conference, obviously, at this point. Um so yeah, I don't think there's no games. They're gonna cancel too many games for KU to you make never know. You never know. With, with no crowds, with no crowds, absolutely KU falls under the criteria of sucking. They have sucked already this season in certain games. Texas, for example, Oklahoma State. They have also had games where they've been really good, TCU. And that and there you go. That could be you could apply that description to every other team besides Baylor and Gonzaga. That's the whole point. Is that everybody is inconsistent and sucks, but in the tournament, coaching matters. That's why I'm picking that's why I ride with KU. They got Bill Self. I'll give you that. I'll give you that point for Texas Tech. Texas Tech has Chris Beard, great coach, also. So they're they'll probably have do well in this tournament. That's just like every year you say you can't count out Tom Izzo at Michigan State because he he knows how to coach his team that in the when it when it comes to the tournament. But of course, I think this year is going to be different with them. I will say the thing that upsets me with Tom Izzo isn't that it's not true that he's a really good tournament coach. It's that Bill Self's record, other than the Final Fours and the the championships mirrors Tom Izzo in terms of winning games because it's like Tom Izzo always wins. Like, uh, do you know how many times he got knocked out in the first and second round where Bill Self's only been knocked out? Like there's those, uh, what is it? Four or five total years. You got the, the, the two that were, uh, first rounders when they, they had those Bucknell and Bradley. Bradley, so, Northern Iowa. So that was second round. So the, then there's Northern Stanford. Iowa and there's a couple others that, uh, Stanford. Yeah. Stanford. So, yeah. So, by the time it's done, their records, other than Final Four appearances, is the same. So the idea that Tom Izzo is a great tournament coach and Bill Self is a bad one has always irked me. But I'm, that's not to tear Tom Izzo down. He is a really good tournament coach. But the number of times he's been knocked out early and nobody accounts for that. But everybody gives Bill Self hell. Uh, well, people care about Final Fours. But the thing is, is Bill Self has literally been to the Elite Eight 
almost half the time that he's been to the tournament. But people mm-hmm. don't care about the Elite Eight. They care about the Final Four. So they see how many Final Fours he's been to. Well, Bill Self has been to, what, four Final Fours? But he's been to, like, 10 Elite Eights. Yeah, so didn't he, Elite Eight is not good. But Didn't he, he, didn't, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't he take Tulsa to the – didn't Bill yeah. take Tulsa to the to the Elite Eight? I think so. I think it was it was Tulsa, and then the like the first year with KU, which was <clears throat> then a couple bad years. But like first year, but he's like making it there with Giddens shooting threes, and like and somehow Giddens was shooting like forty percent instead of the the thirty we come to know him as. Uh, it was uh, it was crazy that they made it to the the Elite Eight, and I think Georgia Tech knocked there's them like, out. There's like this dumb media standard of like. Getting the Elite Eight is not that impressive, but suddenly the Final Four, oh, Final Four, you made it to the Final Four. You know, there's like a, there, for whatever reason, there's just a dramatic break between those two things when really it's only, it's one, literally one round, you know, so it's not, I think it's pretty, they're almost not the same, but they're pretty equivalent, I would say. Also, there's the one that went to Villanova, and we all know that was trash. The rest ruined that game. So I, I count that as a Bill Self Final Four, even if nobody else does. Uh, so they, Grant Powell? Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Was, I agree. Oh, the, the, refs, agree. The, the refs were terrible that night, and they're always terrible. I try. In, I don't attack game. refs. See, and see, Justin attacks refs. I don't. Attack I, don't. I love. I, I always no, try to tell people personal, refs are doing good. There Jack, are specific I, moments that just I'm, I just stare. And I'm like, how are you this bad right now? Like, how are you doing this? And that's where I'm at. It's like in, in NFL, you know, like we've heard a lot about refs. The only time I get upset on on reviews, like. I don't care you missed it the first time. I care that when you stare at the review and I, you still get it wrong, I'm like, why did we waste five minutes for you to mess up? And you're like, supposed to get the only it. times I'm mad at NFL refs. And you're and you're you're required to actually get it reviewed in under sixty seconds, and you and you spend more than that to mess it up. I don't even care how long they take. I think I do. basketball upsets me because they do like six of them and it's already slow. The end of a game that people are fouling, like don't waste my time on reviews, do them quick, make them efficient in basketball NFL. They've already built it into the game. Like we enjoy sitting there for an extra five minutes. Like what's going to happen? Like that's the, the thrill of the game. And I know we don't want to admit it. We all want to be like, stop wasting our time. But we all secretly really love those endorphins that we get I, when we're sitting there waiting all- for the result. Listen, I am all for spending more time on my couch watching NFL football. <laughs> so if they want to extend a review to five minutes, ten minutes, I don't care, bro. Take as long as you want. Now, what I don't want to do is watch sucky college basketball at the end of the game. So those need to go faster. Got to turn that Elam rule. Just got to so fix it. All the all the timeouts and the commercial breaks at the very end of games during the tournament. Yeah, for, for football, good. Tournament, football, bad. Yes. Football, good. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of it either. They need to speed that up and just... So basketball, Elam ending. Fix it. Like, that's been mm-hmm. needed at every level of basketball for a very long time. And I, Nick's a traditionalist, so he's like, I hate all this time wasted. You're like, Elam ended. He's like, can't change the game. Is that where you're oh, at, Nick? No, Elam ending is just going to make the games last longer. That's not, not what I want. Not if they can score. They can't score. It's college basketball. It's already predicted. Like, they already have a way to, to make it happen. And if you're not fouling, there's no way. The worst shooting teams are going to end the Elam ending faster than a team that's fouling every second for the final two minutes. I mean, maybe, I guess. I don't know. But I, I they the will. Is, the thing is, the, the fouling issue really only comes into play in the tournament. Most teams, most teams don't foul 100 times in the regular season. They just have, they just have integrity and let the game end. Eh, some I've seen it. The, the 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 main point being that time that's taken up, like the 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 beauty of the Elam ending is 
it's geared to if it's a lower scoring game, you change the number that you need down the stretch to finish it. So you're not saying, hey, uh, we're at the end of the game. Next team to score 12 wins. It's like, this is going to take them an hour. This is Virginia. They, they, they didn't score 12 in 30 minutes. Like, we can't do that. Like, no, they gear it to how much they're scoring changes the number, the objective at the end. And that means, okay, this team sucks and they don't score a lot. Now it is next one to score six. And that's reasonable. That takes I, less I time just, fouling a bunch. I just don't think you'll be able to convince, like, fans and mainstream people to be on board with the Elon. That's two different my- ar- Well, first of all, two different arguments. So the first one is, does it take longer? We've already watched TBT. We've seen it work wonders. And it's created better ending. All those last-second shots that we love where it has the right game situation has to happen, that's every ending to a TBT game. Number two is, once those people watched it, the ones that were originally saying, this sucks, as soon as they saw it, they're like, I freaking love it. So it's going to be hard to get them to make the change initially, but once you convince the right people, I don't think convincing the crowd will be, because once you see a game finish where, yeah, this isn't on a six fouls, team hits a couple free throws, we added 10 minutes to the game for the team that we knew was going to win, wins. Now it's you make that shot or you don't get a win. That has been so great in the TBT that I think the moment you put it in basketball, mainstream fans will be on board. They'll complain a lot at the beginning, and then they'll find out they love it. But fans complain about everything, so. That's true, and that's why we're here. We're part of the complaints. We bring it to people. I'm here to complain that every team in college basketball sucks except for Gonzaga and Baylor. That's what I'm complaining about today. Strong take. Drew Brees sucks. Every team in college yeah, basketball except Gonzaga yep. and Baylor sucks. Yep. Uh, that's yep. all you need to know from Nick. That's the quick recap. That's the TDLR. Uh, that's all we have for too many points on the Tell Me More podcast. I want to thank Marco. He took out early. I want to thank Justin and Nick. First timer on here. Uh, I'm excited. I, I probably will. When's the next game you're going to call, Nick? Uh, uh, Saturday. Saturday, there is a uh, UIW game. UIW men's basketball versus Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the Southland Conference. It's going to be a great game. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw that on in the background while I'm working Saturday morning, and then I'll send you some notes to cr- critique your play-by-play. I'm just kidding, man. But uh, that, that's all we have for this episode of Too Many Points on Tell Me More podcast. Later, folks. Later, folks.